0: Welcome to our Hot Rod Bible Study. So tonight we're in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, It is one of the chapters um, that many, many uh, pastors, many uh, Bible expositors, they love this chapter. This is a chapter of faith. Um, But the thing that I love about um, coming to the packing house and and the the church in this study is that we go um, book upon book, precept upon precept, and we just keep on going through. Because many pastors, um, they actually do a study on Hebrews 11 without going through the rest of the chapter and so i think we have a lot more background and a lot of the things that are going on um but what i'm going to do is we're going to go ahead and um, i'm going to pray um to the lord and then we're going to read the whole chapter 11 and, and we're just going to do um, verses 1 through 17 tonight It probably take the first third of the chapter um it is a mighty mighty book we're going to see tonight but um let's ask the lord to bless our time together so father god we we thank you lord um for hebrews um 11 father we um We ask tonight, Lord, that your um, faith, Lord, that we would be lifted, that our faith would be lifted tonight, Father, by your word tonight. Lord, we ask that you would continue to do a a work in this study, Father. We ask that our hearts would be open to hear from you tonight, Father. Um, Help us, Lord, as we um, open your your word tonight, Lord. We ask, Lord, that we would hear from you tonight, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, and we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so here we go. Uh, we're going to go to uh, chapter 11, verse 1. It said, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, um, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God, a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But with our faith, it is without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he command, he condemned the world. And became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as a foreign country. Dwelling in tents with Isaac, Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithfully who had promised. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is of the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, and truly, if they have called to mind their, uh, that country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But now their desire they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And so we see uh, here in, in uh chapter 11 of Hebrews and as we've been studying through the book of Hebrews um, it's been a, a, an amazing chapter up to this point and I know many times as uh, people say they say this and you know it's interesting about uh, the word of God as we open up the book of Hebrews um, there are so many things that uh, as we've been studying through the book of Hebrews and I, and many of you just like you I've been through a study in Hebrews before um, but many of the things that I've learned um, about the book of Hebrews has been amazing. And some of the things that we know for sure, that we know that many of the people, the, the letter of the Hebrews is written to men uh, or uh, 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 Jews who have been converted and have accepted Christ and Christianity. And so much of the things that we saw in the first 10 chapters were to tell them to not to go back to the law and not to go back to the things and how... The things of God were superior to the things that they had believed in and had been brought up in. Um, and I, I think some of those things are, are very powerful, and we see those. Um, but as we were covering um, chapter 10, verses 19 through 39, which was the last part we were studying last week, um, some of the things that I, that I remembered about the chapter, and i just like to recap a little of the things, and this will kind of flow into the chapter 11 here about faith. Um, some of the things that uh, they talked about was uh, the, the let us draw near with a true heart. And it was that God had already offered a sacrifice, a superior sacrifice than the blood of animals, that he had offered his own blood himself, that we can come with a true heart to God, knowing that he is our um, salvation, that we need to put our trust and our faith in him. And so we see those things. And he told us to also to let us hold fast to our confession. And this confession is our faith when we first believe, when we first believe Christ. And one of the things I, I, I kind of, I think I skipped over this last week as we, uh, as we accepted Christ, and I love the way Bill brought that up today, that accepting Christ. But one of the things I think that many of us, we think that as eternity, as the promises of God has promised, many of us, as we've given our life to Christ, it promised us eternity, um has promised us heaven. And by His grace, by His love, that He's promised for us. And many of us think that, hey, well, we have to wait until uh, we die, until we take our last breath before we can actually live in the promises of God. But as our confession, as we've given our lives to Christ, when we first believed and confessed and gave our lives to Christ, is when our eternal life began. And it is here now, and as we share our lives with loved ones, other brothers and sisters in Christ, God's word said that he has come to give us life and life more abundantly that we may start that today that if you if you didn't know this when you came to, to know Christ that that when was our that is when our eternal life began um, and so I, I love that when you know as we contemplate and we were talking about Glenn before on the study uh, tonight um, but the time that he was here with us that that time in eternity, that we're going to see that on the other side in heaven, and that's going to be part of us, that the brothers and sisters in Christ, that we uh, share the things that we share together here um, because that eternity started when he first believed and many of us when we first believed. And so one of the things that also encouraged us to um, to stay um, uh, in our faith and and without wavering, um, and this is what was happening with the Hebrews. They were wavering in their faith, and this is the reason why the writer of Hebrews is writing to them and trying to encourage them and he also encouraged us in the last chapter to walk in love, and we talked about this last week a little bit that and I think it's very powerful that we see that the world does not have a defense for love. Um, we, we talked about a little bit about Proverbs 15 um, that speaks about that a kind word um, turns away wrath. and I think of us in the world that we live in that oftentimes as we ride in, or we drive around on the freeways, we see that oftentimes that some of the gestures and if we just say sometimes we're sorry, we, we, didn't know, well, we didn't know that we cut you off, it's hard for somebody to continue to flip you off and say things to you, um, that it's hard for them. And so the world doesn't have a defense. They don't know how to interact with people uh, that love them and actually that share them love with them. And so we are called to love one another. Um, and also I love that it talked about forsaking the assembly of the gathering as we gather in the church or as we gather here in a study and one of the things that I'm always reminded of is that iron sharpens iron. There are so many things that I learned from each and every one of you as I have come here, and many of you think that the Word of God, He speaks to me as we come to these studies. I feel oftentimes that I am sitting um, with you um, hearing the Word of God as He speaks, because many of the things, um, as, as some of these studies, they are led by the Holy Spirit. All of them are led <laughs> by the Spirit, and He uh, is the one that actually comes and, and you know, it's interesting. Paul was the one that actually said, "Have you ever watched one of your studies?" Uh, and I said, I, "You know, if, when he mentioned that, I, I'll go back and I'll watch part of some of them, not the whole thing through." But it's interesting to me that some of the things that come out of the studies are nothing that are nothing to part of some of the you know short little notes that I make that I try to remember some of the things that I remember. There's nothing. There there isn't any avenue of it. But oftentimes we can see that the Holy Spirit is moving, um, and this is what the Bible said: His word is alive. It is, it, is, it is his living word. And so as we were um, one of the last things that I wanted to leave with you with, uh, we got into the discussion about the uh, people who willfully sin sin willfully, and we, we learned that it was a transgression. and we know that the, the Lord does forgive our transgressions as we come. And so uh, one of the things that was talking about, these we were, were talking about people that had one time had come to Christ but and then later on had actually walked away from their faith and they had actually trusted back in the law. Or maybe into their works in some other way. And so this is the reason why it said that there would no longer be an offering for sins for them. And, it, and many times people look at that particular verse in the Bible and they think it has something to do. If they were once a believer and if they sinned, then, then God was no longer going to accept their, their offering any longer or their act of forgiveness. Which is not true. It was only people that did not believe. And it actually talked about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit um, last week. And so the only uh, we we'll all become before the judge. We spoke about that last week. And one of the things that's coming before the judge, as we come uh, as believers, um, we will know that we, the only thing we'll come to the, the Lord for, that he has already promised, that our sin has already been uh, taken care of on the cross, and so we know that we, as he took care of our sin on the cross, that he will come and he will judge us for what we did with the gifts that God gave us. What we did with the, God, the gifts that God gave us, and God has given each and every one of us a gift. Um, and 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 many of us, like you said, though, some of your gifts shine through um, very brightly. Um, And so uh, I love that, that the Lord will will use us in a mighty way to ask us about our gifts. So one of the last things there in verse 38, it talked about the just shall live by faith. And we remember that that came from Habakkuk um, chapter 2, verse 4. And we talked briefly about Habakkuk, who he was, um, that he was a prophet of God. And his um, Judah, he was trying to turn the people back to God. And the people were not listening, and they were rebelling. And he looked at the Lord, and he said, The Lord, you're not doing anything. God, you're not doing nothing. And I, I know many times in my life, in certain situations, I feel like, you know what, God, you're not working in this. Um, but we, I love that that what the Lord told him. He says, I'm at work. Even though that you don't see it, I am at work. And he actually told Habakkuk, I'm going to tell you. He said, if I told you what I, what I was doing, you would not believe it. And Habakkuk, he told him, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. He said, I am raising a people to be my chastening rod for your people to come back to me. And, and it was interesting because Habakkuk at that particular time, he came out with his praise and he said, the just shall live by faith because he said, you know what, Lord? He said, I was more scared when I was scared when I didn't know what you were doing. But now that you told me what you were doing, now I'm even more scared. And so he said, I should live by faith. And you know, when it talked about the just shall live by faith, remember that the just is the justified right, the justified, as we've been justified, as you have accepted Christ. And I love the way that Pastor Ed always uses the word, it is just like I never sinned. Justified, right, justified, just like I never sinned. Um, And and I love that. And so we are to live by faith. Um, And one of the things that we see that in the New Testament, um, there's three times in Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, and here in Hebrews 10.38. So God is calling us as men uh, to live by faith. And so we're going to get into the, the chapter tonight. One of the things um, that I wanted to draw your attention to is, um, many times uh, Bible expositors, they, they refer to this uh, chapter 11 as the Hall of Faith. Um, we're going to see that at the beginning of the first three verses, they're going to talk briefly about faith and some of the things that the God has done here in the institution. But after that, he's going to go very simply into um, the application of the people that walk by faith. Um, and these are people that he's going to make a list of. There's 18 people on the list um, that are actually named. Two of them are women, Um, but what's interesting that towards the end of the chapter, in in chapter verses 38 and 39, there's a a group of anonymous people that their names are not listed, but what's interesting, what they did for the Lord is, and by that, we can see who they are, and there's actually another seven names that are actually going to be added to the list as we go um, through the study here, and so um, tonight, we're just going to go through a few names tonight, and so we'll pick it up here in verse 11, um, verse 1. And it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I know many of you have read this um, verse before, um, and uh, many people quote this verse. Um, But one of the things that I want to share with you tonight, I I think one of the biggest questions is, what is faith? And and I think this is one of the biggest questions that we have is, what is faith? Um, And and by trying to help answer that question, I I wanted to share with you uh, what faith is not what faith isn't and it says faith is not wishful thinking we cannot just have faith and just say well i hope and i just have faith that everything's gonna that's not that's not faith that's not faith and it, it is not a manufactured hope it's not just something we just hope that things are going to turn out well it's, that's not what faith is um and it also it's not a feeling um because if we we know as you've been walking with christ for some time you know that if we depend upon our feelings our our life is are going to be like a roller coaster we're going to be like up and down all over the place because we know that we cannot depend upon our our feelings for sure and what it is it is not a blind leap it is definitely not a blind leap into that we're jumping um into into some place that we don't know what and what faith this is going to kind of help us answer faith and, and by that i wanted to share something with you there was a business owner who owned a small grocery store back east and he uh he, uh, it was a old, small little kind of grocery store, and back there he had a, he took his five-year-old son to, to work with him one day, and he was down there in the storeroom in those, in those uh, old supermarkets, the little tiny supermarkets, they have a cellar um, that's underneath, and they actually use the cellar as a, as a storeroom. And so this man, he actually was down there in the cellar getting some, something out of the cellar, and he looked up into the light, and he could see his five-year-old son walking around the door of the cellar with his mother, And he called out to him. He said, hey, Johnny, jump. It's your dad. I'm down here in the cellar. He's telling his son to jump. His son walked over to the cellar and looked into the darkness. And he says, dad, I don't see you. And he said, but you hear my voice. I'm your father. I'm telling you, jump, Johnny, and I'll catch you. And he walked a little closer to the edge of the cellar door. And he looked in and he said, I still can't see you, dad. Are you sure you're going to catch me? And his father said, jump. And the little boy took a few steps back and he ran up and he jumped into his loving arms of his father. And this is what faith is. It is jumping into the arms of our loving father, knowing that God is there no matter what we're going through, that he is there and he is not. So as he looked as a father, as he looked as a son, as he looked and he thought about possibly jumping, he he thought about it for a minute, um, but as he had faith, to jump into the arms of his father, knowing that his father would catch him. And this is what faith is for each and every one of us as believers. We need to be assured that our father, by his promises, will catch each and every one of us. One of the things here in the New Living Translation, I love their, um, this particular verse here. In New Living Translation, it says, um, "It actually says, what is faith? The same verse. It is the, com- the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to ha- happen, It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. And and I think that that's a great description of faith. It is believing the promises of God even though we cannot yet see it. And and what this really comforted me is, uh, you know, as 8.30 last week as we finished the Bible study, that we see that the, the, the faith that Glenn had, that he actually got to see that faith lived out. As he came before the Lord, and he came. To and he always have known Christ? that he got to come? And, and I can imagine the things that he had. He had that heaven is, is all about, and I just love that that he went in and trusted in the faith, and now the faith that he has. One of the things that it says here that uh, faith is to a Christian to what a foundation is to a home. This is where we are to build our foundation is um, in our faith. Um, Romans 10 17 and pastors has been speaking about this it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and this is the reason why we've gathered here tonight we've gathered here to hear from the word of God and his promises um, we're going to hear some of his promises tonight one of the things uh, you know as the disciples the apostles as they were in this comes from Luke 17:5. the apostles were walking around with him and they started talking to him about faith they asked the Lord they said Lord Can you increase our faith? They felt that they were lacking in faith. And I think many of us in believers, whether you're going through storms or whether you're having a good time, there's oftentimes that we're lacking in faith. And I don't believe anybody can ever have too much faith. It's always in an area of our lives that we can grow in. We can grow in our faith and trusting in the promises of God. Uh, But I love this because as as they asked the Lord to to increase their faith, um, in the very next verse, he said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. He told his disciples that. And tonight, I brought this with me tonight, and if I don't know if any of you have ever seen a mustard seed, uh, but there's probably about 45 to 50 mustard seeds in this little vial. Um, I'll pass it around if you want to see it. But this is the faith that God was talking about that we need to have, that if we have that much faith, that we can move mountains, that we can move mountains. And, and, uh, and I love it. It's, it's, uh, it's powerful that we would, we would see that. Um, but that is the faith that he is calling us to. And so I'll just share a couple other verses with you. I know this is a, a, you know, the, the opening here, but I wanted to clear up faith. But one of the things James uh, 1, um, chapter verse, verses 2 and 4 says, um, My brother, encounter it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And this is one of the things as we, we see that um, as the testing of our faith, you see our faith is like a muscle. It has to be exercised. It has to be exercised. And so these are the things that the Lord is always doing a work in us. Um, Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It is believing, having the faith to believe. He didn't say, this was exactly what happened to the thief on the cross. um, That he came and he accepted Christ. He told the Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The Lord didn't tell him, hey, you need to be baptized. Hey, you didn't go to the right church. Hey, all these other things he said to, today, you will be with me in paradise. And so it is his faith, his faith, he believed in Christ. And this is the reason why Christ, um, and I love this one. Um, this is the one of the ones I love always. And this is many times you hear on the radio, the second Corinthians one twenty, And it, for the promises of God are yes. And amen, right? These are the promises of God. Yes. And amen. And these are also some of the other promises of God, um, Matthew 28:20 20, I'm with you always even till the end of the age and Hebrews 13:5 I will never leave you nor forsake you. And these are some of the promises of God. And so um we want to make sure that we we know what faith is. It is trusting in the promises of God, knowing that our Father, our heavenly Father can um is able to take us through whatever it is that we're going through. Um also I had a definition here that says faith is the confident obedience to God's word in spite of our circumstances. In spite of our circumstances, in spite of what we see or visually, um, and many of us, like uh, i know we're all about the same as men. Oftentimes, we we see things visually, and oftentimes I think as as men, we oftentimes we start preparing for what's coming up ahead. But the Lord has called us not to look, not to live by sight. He has called us to live by faith, and I think that it's, it doesn't take you know politically in our country and all the things that are going on uh, here. Um, we oftentimes, I think we get kind of, um, you know, start looking at the political things and we start looking at the things that are happening in the government. And, and I really honestly, I think those things are a distraction. Um, they are a distraction from the things of God because we need to not look at the things. Uh, of those, You know, not, I'm not saying not to be involved in it at all, but I'm saying that we need not to let them deter us in our walk with the Lord and to keep focused, uh, to have that faith seeking God and what we're, he's called us, each and every one of us, to do. So here in verse two it says, "By it the elders obtain a good testimony, and this is uh, by faith the elders obtained a good testimony." One of the things I wanted to share with you: uh, many of you have come to the church and you hear the pastor Greg. He's studying, doing a study um, through the book of Luke, and he's in chapter eight, and it was talking about Jairus's um, the daughter that they, the Lord. If you don't know the story, that the Lord asked him that Jairus asked the Lord if he could come and heal his daughter because she was sick. And so as they're journeying to go down, the Lord is journeying to go down with him, we see that Jairus, they run into this woman who had had a, a flow of blood for 12 years. And what I love about the story, I mean, Pastor Greg did a really good job of explaining everything that went on in this story. But what I love about this story, that the Lord is never too busy. And I think oftentimes in our lives, we think that the Lord is too busy for us. That some of the things that are going on, the Lord is too busy for us. But I love that That the Lord was not too busy and this woman, he stopped and he actually... And remember that there was a crowd of people and remember that Jesus said, Who touched me? Who touched me? Right? This is going to be... This was powerful because who touched me? And and his disciple and Peter even said, Lord, what do you mean who touched you? We're We're being enclosed by all this crowd and we're being rubbed up against all these people and you ask who touched you? And I love this, that the Lord said, I perceive power going out of me. And we remember that this lady they in her heart that she said, if only I could touch the hymn of Jesus, if I could only touch the hem of Jesus, she had faith. And as she touched that hymn of Jesus, he felt power going out of him. And it got me thinking about how many times that I have come to the Lord and I have maybe rubbed up close enough to him, just like in the same scenario, and not had enough faith to whatever I was seeking from the Lord. And this is what I saw in all the other people, that they were, other people were rubbing up against Christ, but he didn't feel any power coming out of him because they didn't come to him in faith. They didn't come to him in faith. And I, I thought it was powerful. I wanted to share that with you. And also that that she was considered ceremonially unclean. And us, like you said, though, I love the fact that she was considered ceremonially clean. Many of us, as we we were sinners that oftentimes that God wants to have that interaction with us, despite what the sin that we have, that he came to conquer sin and to renew that relationship with us. So here in verse 3 it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. This brought me to Genesis uh, 1.1. It says, In the beginning God created um, the heavens and the earth and we all we've all read this verse before but the greek word for created is the word bara bara and as i was studying the word bara it says that god created out of nothing i mean we as believers we know that god created out of nothing and it's interesting that he created matter he created the world he created everything out of nothing um, and, and it's interesting because scientists often say they talk about the Big Bang. We've all heard the the story of the Big Bang, and, and it's interesting. They, they talk about like one, you know, in, in history there at one time the universe there was nothing, and then all of a sudden they talk about then appeared, you know, appeared the world, and they start talking about these things, and they talk about this Big Bang, and, but they don't explain how it actually happens, and they want to discredit God in that. And many times people say that scientists that they're so intelligent that they can't see God. But the reality, I, the way that I've been, you know, as I've been studying it, I think that those scientists are really not intelligent enough because they have not sought God, because his word is so true. If you seek, you will find. And if they will seek God, they will find him. Um, and so these are one of the things that I think is so powerful that we see um, that God created the world and everything in it. And the last verse I want to share with you there is him creating things I thought was powerful was Isaiah forty four twenty four. It says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer and he who formed you from the womb i am the lord who makes all things who's, who stretches out the heavens all alone who spreads abroad the earth by myself and this is the lord speaking that he has spread out the, the world all by himself and so we know that god has created a world um that for us to live in and it's just amazing to see that he created it just like um the Bible talks about, but many people uh, choose not to believe this. But it is by faith. None of us were here when the world was created, but it is by faith that we have believing in His promises, in His Word, um, that right. we believe. In yes, go ahead. The physicists refer to that as the singularity, and that was before matter and energy, and before the laws of physics. Physics. Yes. Uh, so you might be right about them being, you know, not so bright because Nothing. that that sounds a lot like God to me. Yes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and, and it's amazing to think that, you know, and, and uh, you know, we talk about university and colleges and even in high school and even in, I guess, junior high schools that we're indoctrinating a generation or we've been indoctrinating generations um, that there is no God. Right. Isn't that what we're, we're teaching? They're teaching in schools. that There is no God. And isn't it interesting. We wake up and we I, I don't know if there's not newspapers, but we turn the news on and we see the world and all that's going on in the world. And it's no wonder that if you have generations of people that are coming up, and they, you tell them there is no God, then what is the reason for them to actually to act civil, to act loving, to to act any other way than to say, well, if there is no God, this must be it. This must be it, right? This must be it. So they can live in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, and that actually transfers transfers over to everything, the way they live their lives. This is the way that their their family, and this is the reason why family in, in our in our country that is so struggling, that families are being destroyed. Um, by the way that we live our lives because we've been indoctrinating generations of, of of people that there is no god but here in verse four it says i love this we're going to start getting into the list of the people of the of the uh the people that are on the hall of faith here and it says by faith abel offered to god a more excellent sacrifice than cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous god testifying of the gifts and though it being uh, him being dead uh, still speaks what's interesting about this uh, verse here is we talk about Abel um, and if you don't uh, as we go through this comes from Genesis 4 chapter 4 if you want to go back and look at it Genesis 4 and it talks about um, Abel and Cain is actually the older brother um, and so actually Cain was born first but it's interesting that it, the Bible says that Abel was a, a shepherd he was one that took care of the sheep and took care of this is what he, he did and his brother Cain was a tiller of the land. It said he was a tiller of the land. And this is what he did. And so when they came to bring sacrifices to the Lord, that we see that Abel brought a lamb. He brought a lamb too as a sacrifice. And we see that Cain, he brought vegetables because he was a tiller of the land. And we see here, the it doesn't say in Genesis, but it says, it says very clearly here, it was by faith that God accepted his, that he accepted Abel's, Sacrifice. He accepted it, and then we see that Cain's um, that it was not accepted by God. But we see something in that because it was here. It says here it was by faith that you see that Abel had faith, trusting in God, and said, "I'm going to sacrifice this, and I'm going to sacrifice this lamb." He gave it to sheep. He gave it to him, and he said, "By faith, I gave it to you, trusting in you, Lord, trusting in you." And it was by faith. But one of the things I want you to see, because many commentators speak about the different things about what these two different items meant. And and as I was studying this, I thought it was interesting. One commentator actually said that it was because it was a lamb that it was trusting in the blood sacrifice of Christ, was pointing to Christ's coming. And it was interesting that I thought because he said that that Cain offered uh, vegetables, it was something done by his own hands and it makes me think about that as us as believers that if we cannot trust in the things our works the things that we can do by our own hands that we we are to have trust in the blood of christ and the blood of christ and have faith in what he has done on the cross for each and every one of us so i thought it was interesting that those two different items um, were offered um, and we see that there and like so it's in genesis 4 if you'd like to go back and read it it's it's very powerful there and so we're here in verse 5 it says um by by faith enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this had, had this testimony that he pleased God. And so this is a, another uh, powerful verse. And if you don't know who Enoch is in the Bible, um, he only gets like three verses. Um, and this comes from Genesis 5. Um, it's verses 22, 23, and 24. It's the only place that he's mentioned there in Genesis. Um, but What's interesting about him, um, this is in the time that um, it is, he is living before the flood. He is living in the time, this is before the flood. So it's very early on. It says that he lived um, 365, uh, his, his age is 365 years old. This is how old he is, 365. But really considering if you go through in, there in uh, Genesis 5, the genealogy, some people were living 900 years. And so we see that he was 365 years old. And I love that, um, the way that the story kind of goes. That I believe that Pastor Ed and other pastors, I've heard him tell this story that, him, that he said that he was a, Enoch was a man who walked with God, who walked with God. And so the story goes that one evening that he was probably, one afternoon he was walking with God, and it was getting late, and Enoch had told the Lord, Lord, it's getting late. I should probably turn back. And the Lord said, We're closer to my house than we are to your house. And he took Enoch home with him. And we see that Enoch was, what we consider today, we consider that he was raptured. He was raptured, right? He was taken and he didn't experience death. The, the verse said that he never experienced death. One of the things that I love is a couple of weeks ago as we were studying, we read that it was appointed to man to die once. And so as we look at scripture and we say, is, is that not true? Because we see Enoch here that he did not die. We said that Enoch did not die, that he actually was raptured and he went to be with the Lord. But we see that as Enoch lived before the flood, we know for sure that one of the things that he did for sure, that he died to self. Because we remember that the world was so corrupt that the Lord would come and he would bring a flood. And it was so corrupt. But Enoch lived not by sight, did not go in to get into the things that were going on in the world at that particular time, but he lived by faith. And he had faith. And so he lived, and he, he, his, his death was a denying himself and, and accepting Christ and the promises of God. and I think it was powerful. Um, the only other person in the Bible, um, if you're keeping notes somebody some of you guys like to keep notes, um, was Elijah. And we remember that Elijah was another one um, that was not that did not experience death, and the Lord took him. But one of the things as we talk about Elijah and the faith that he has, um, there was a time that there was a, a great um, uh, famine on the earth and they hadn't rained with was, it was a drought and it hadn't rained for six years and i love this that he went up and he prayed to god and and he actually came back and the lord had put it on his heart that he would send rain uh, but he told him to be faithful and he said that he, he had to go up to the mountaintop and he went up to mount carmel and he went he sent his servant he didn't even go himself he sent his servant and his first servant, he went up to the top of the mountain, and he came back down. Nothing. He went back up to the mountain, came back again. Nothing. He went back on the seventh time that his servant came up and came back. He said, "I see a cloud the size of a man's hand." And, it, and through that, that we see that Elijah told Ahab. He's told him, "Prepare for rain. It's going to rain." And the skies darkened, and it became. And it was that cloud the size of a man's hand that he had faith to believe that God's promises. It was the faith of Elijah. And it was the faithfulness. And it's just interesting to see that the faithfulness of these guys, that the Lord took them. Um, and they never experienced that. So here in verse 6 it says, But without faith is it impossible um, to please God. Um, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. One of the things that we see there is, as Enoch, we see that uh, he said he pleased God. And so we know that he had faith, as it says here, that is an impossible. Um, And this is a powerful verse. We should underline this one of those. I I have it underlined in my Bible uh, because I have to remember that I need to have faith. And oftentimes when things come up, storms come up in my life, I I look out and I say, Lord, with my own eyes, I can see that things don't look well. But I'm not going to look at those things, Lord. I'm going to look out and I'm going to step up in faith. I'm going to have faith trusting in you and you know uh, I shared this with many of you in 2018 when I lost my job I said I was no different than you I had a mortgage I had actually two mortgages I had all these other things that that people were depending on me and I said you know what Lord I don't know how all this is going to work out but it was interesting that and and, and I think Jimmy I hate to mention this time that that was the time that the Lord gave me peace he gave me peace and that was the time and I, I didn't understand that peace but it was interesting that the Lord took care of it all took care of it all he he, he took care of it all. And really, if I go back and I t- and if I can point out exactly what, what happened, I can't really put my finger on it. But he made sure that everything was all right. And that was God's faith, that he was faithful. And, and oftentimes the faithfulness is just trusting in who he is and who God is in our lives. And I, I think that's the thing that's so powerful, that is trusting in his faithfulness. And so here in verse 7 it says, By faith Noah um, divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he commanded or condemned the world and became heir of the righteous which is according to faith so we all know the story of noah this comes from genesis 6 9 um we all know the story of noah that he had the lord had told him to build an ark Um, but what many people don't know is that actually as they told him to build an ark the lord had put on his heart to build an ark that, um, that some of the, it took it anywhere from 55 to 75 years for him to build this ark. And so he was building this ark in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't near the water at all. And the Lord told him that they would send rain, that he would send rain. And, and I'm sure that, and, and this is one of the things that talk about faith, that up until this time, there had never been rain. There had never been rain on the earth. There had never been rain. And so you can imagine, and this is really powerful, that people would come up to Noah and they'd say, hey, what are you building? I'm building a boat what are you building a boat for Well, there's going to come this flood where's the flood going to come from well, it's going to come rain and they're like what is rain and if anything the people probably thought that noah was a little cuckoo they thought yeah, what's this guy talking about this rain we've never heard about it but what's interesting that all the people that came to noah and they asked him about what was going on what was he doing that i'm sure he shared it with them what he was doing but none of them not one of them said you know what i'm going to believe him if a man would build a magnificent ark like this one and he has to have something more than just have this crazy cuckoo idea that he wants to build this ark, there's gonna be rain coming, but they didn't come. And this is exactly what happens in the world today. That many of us as believers, and like I told you before, there is people who, who are not believers that are looking at us and looking at us, but they oftentimes, as they just like them, they think that we're a little cuckoo, but they won't get close enough to see to have faith in the things that we believe in. Because, like I said, though, they, they, they don't understand the things of God. And, and this is powerful because I thought of this as Noah, as he was preparing the ark, I'm sure many people came, but he had faith to believe in the promise of God, even though he had never seen rain. He had never seen rain, but he had, he had faith to believe uh, that the Lord would send rain. One of the things I wanted to see, it said here in the middle of the verse, is said, by which he condemned the world, Um, I thought it was interesting because I I think it was the way that Noah lived his life. And many of you, the way you live your life, it is condemning to the world because they see us as believers and they say, oh no, here comes this guy. It's like they don't want to interact with us because they know that we're believers. And and it's interesting, Um, there was a a story, and I I don't know if this story is actually true. I read it a couple of years back. And it was a story about a golfer that he went out to a golf course and he wanted to play a, a round of golf and at this particular time they were having this kind of a, a thing in the clubhouse that they were grouping up people for uh, foursomes to go out and play golf together and so there was people in the in the clubhouse that and he he wanted to play golf by himself but they grouped him up and and later on he come to find out in the group that they set him up in that he was golfing with billy graham and, and he without realizing it, he was a non-believer he didn't believe in christ And so he went on this 18-hole, and he went on with Billy Graham and some other people, and they went and played golf together, 18-hole round of golf. And as he was walking out after the 18 rounds, and he was walking out to his car, he was very upset, and he got his golf clubs, and he threw them in the trunk of his car, and he was all upset. Well, a friend of his, who is a believer kind of came up to him and said, hey, what's going on? Why are you so upset? Why are you so angry? He said, you won't believe what happened today. They grouped us up in these team of people and then they sent me up in a group that they had Billy Graham in my group golfing with me. So for 18 holes, Billy Graham shoved religion down my throat. That's all he did, he shoved religion down my throat as we were going. And so he's just got me so upset. And so this this guy that's a believer said, you know what? I kind of know Billy Graham on a kind of a personal level and I've never known him to be that kind of a person. What did he say to you that made, him, made you feel this way? And he thought about it for a minute, and he said, he didn't say anything to me. It was his witness. It was his witness. Being around Billy Graham, he felt convicted. But that is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That is conviction as we the lives that we live that God has instilled in each and every one of us that we know when we step outside the boundaries of God and we know that we're living a life outside of God and this is the reason why he felt convicted. Uh, Billy Graham had not said anything to him. So here in verse 8 it says, uh, By faith Abraham obeyed um, when he was called to go out um, to the place which he would receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. Um, and so this is, as for us men um, this is very, uh, we know that Abraham had to have faith, this comes from Genesis 12 Verses one through four, uh, because many of us as men, um, as we go out and somebody tells us, okay, in the workplace, okay, you're going to go out to Twenty Nine Palms, okay, we want to know every single direction, we want to know roadmap. Hey, if you don't know a roadmap before we have GPSs, we want to say, hey, draw, give me a piece of paper and don't draw me a map like turn on this street. We want you to draw me a map like this is the ten freeway. Do you know, take, you know, we want them to draw us a map. We want to know exactly all the details. And but this is the interesting thing that Abraham. He told him to go out to a place that he had never seen before. He did not know where he was going. He sent him to Cana, but but Abraham said, I have faith, Lord. I have faith that you are sending me to a place, and whatever direction you send me to, you're going to send me into that direction that is the direction that you have for me. I'm going to step out in faith. Not knowing where he was going, um, it's so powerful that we see that he did not have a road map. He didn't have anything that he sent out to go into Cana, and he went out um, just on his faith that he went out. And here in verse 9 it says, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, their heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which uh, has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And we see Abraham, um, he lived as a foreigner um, in Cana, but he had his physical eyes on Cana and the things of the world but he has his spiritual eyes on heaven. He had faith in the promises of God that no matter what happened, that the Lord would actually bring him through whatever's going on. He had faith in the promises of God. Um, Job 9.8 says that who alone stretches out um, the heavens, um, this is God, and he had faith in God and believed in the promises of God. And here in verse 11 it says, By faith Sarah um, herself also received strength uh, to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age uh, uh, because she judged him faithful who had promised. And I love that, that she had trusted in the promises of God, that she had had faith in who had promised, and it was the Lord who had promised her, it was God who had promised her this. And we all know the story, right? This comes from Genesis 18, that the Lord told Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a son. She told him that they told him that he was going to have a son. Um, And it's interesting, but when the Lord came to talk to Abraham, he came to him, he wanted to meet him in the tent, and we see that Sarah was in the tent next to them, right? And so when they went in there and he said that you are going to have a son, uh, that we remember that the Bible says that Sarah, that she was in the next tent, she overheard this, but it says that the Bible says that she laughed within herself, not out loudly, she laughed within herself. Like, hmm. Hmm. She, she laughed within herself. And the Lord asked Abraham, why did she laugh? Why did she laugh? And, and Abraham's kind of recovery was, Well, we're way past the age of having children. We need to remember that Sarah is 90 years old and Abraham is a hundred. Alright? This is this is how old they are. And so they're like, hey, we're way past the age that, that we're supposed to be. We're way past it, past it. But I love what the Lord says. He says, Is there anything too hard for God? And I think this is the thing, as i was been studying this week, this is the thing that's really been, um, you know, jumping out at me. Is there anything too hard for God? And we need to be reminded of that because I think oftentimes as we, as the enemy leads us away and we get focused on the storms of life, we need to be reminded that there isn't anything too hard for God. There is not anything, and, and this is, you know, this is the faith that they had. And remember that, that that Sarah was 90 years old when she gave birth to Isaac, and, and we see that Abraham was 100 years old. And so we see that they they were they were way past the giving birth. And you know, I'm sure that Sarah looked at her own. Many of us we look at our own bodies and said, "There's no way that a child is going to come out of this body." But she said, "You know what? It's not in believing." As as the Lord, you know, said, "Why did she laugh?" It renewed her faith, and she said, "I'm just going to trust in His promises." And this is what Sarah did. She trusted in the promises of God. And this is what God has called us you know, to Mike, trust in the promises. On that, that part as well, he didn't. They didn't have a child right after that. God waited. Yes. Waited years, years. before they had a child. Yes. And I thought that was that was really interesting. That yes. Have to have this patience. Yes. For God's promise and then you know interesting like through the whole story we all know the whole story that, that you know as they were waiting for those years you know sarah you know she says well you know what lord maybe i need that maybe i need to help the lord out and i think you know this is a warning for each and every one of us too we, we don't want to get involved trying to help the lord out and we see what she did she went ahead and, and stepped and overstepped and she's told the, her husband abraham and they went and, and you know as as i think about this you know that the servant's name was Hagar. You know and i was thinking wow you, you want me to go with, with somebody named hagar it's like no no no, no, no. <laughs> it's not working out somebody named hagar it's not working out here but the story goes in the bible and her name was hagar so was like whoa, whoa wait a minute but uh we see that yes we see that through that that, that she actually wanted to you know and we'll, we'll get into that because we're going to get into her a little bit more as we uh, go and so here in verse 12 it says therefore from one man and him as good as dead Uh, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. I just thought it was interesting that the Lord referred to um, Abraham as good as dead. That's how old he was, as good as dead. Um, But we see that God's promises are true, um, that he had promised him that he would have children, that would be um, as many as the the stars of the sky. But one of the things that, as we're talking about Abraham, and I think it's interesting that as we remember that as when um, the Lord asked him to offer his son, Isaac, he tells him, <clears throat> offer your one and only son, right? Your only one one and only begotten son, offer him. And he asked, the, the Lord asked him to offer him, right? And remember that Abraham was heartbroken, but he, he was in obedience, in faith he stepped out and he did it. But at that time, do you remember that Ishmael was already born. But the Lord did not consider him his son. He considered, I just thought it was powerful that he, he considered that Isaac was his son. He said, "Your one and only begotten son. And he went ahead and offered him uh, up on the, on, the, on the, I thought it was powerful that we see that. So here um, in verse 13, it says, um, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, um, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You see, when it says these, it's referring to Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah. Um, They all died in faith, but not having seen the promises. They didn't see the promise. They hadn't seen the coming Messiah as we have seen the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, here. But they had faith. Their faith was looking forward. Our faith is looking back to Christ and what he's done. But they were looking forward to the coming Messiah, But you see that they had not received that, but he says by faith that you see that they were assured of them and they were embraced them. Um, And I love this, that they said that they um, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth, that this is not their home. And this is the thing that I think that as us as believers, I think this is the problem that the reason why we have so, um, you know, we have so many mixed emotions about people that have gone on before us to be with the Lord. And, you know, this is one of the things that we know as we talked about that God created the world and everything in it. Hawaii, everything, anything that you can think of as beautiful that you've ever been to in the earth. That we know that God has created all of us, all of it. And so the, one of the things that we need to always constantly be reminded of that when we get to heaven, that heaven is not a place where God skimped. He didn't skimp on something in heaven. And so I know many of us, we oftentimes think, hey, is there going to be cars in heaven? Is there going to be this? If there isn't cars in there, there's going to be something that brings us joy as cars. And so whatever those things are in heaven, we need to know that God did not skimp on heaven. As Heaven is going to be eternal. And it's going to be eternal. <laughs> and, 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 and erase the, the, the commercials you have uh, in your mind that we're going to be like some... Um, uh, have a diaper on and we're going to be floating around with, on clouds with an arrow and you know, erase all those imaginations yeah. I didn't have that in my yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not until now right? not until now so here in verse 14 it says um, for those who say um, such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland for whatever reason I, I don't know why, maybe it's just me but this verse, it reminds me of the movie E.T. that he had that home home right that he he had a yearning for home and this is what we are called to be that we are to have uh uh, in our hearts that our home is not here that our home is in heaven and it is with the lord in the presence of uh, the lord and i I know that many of you and and i love my family and i love everybody you know everybody each and every one of you but god has prepared a place for each and every one of us that that where you know that where he is we may be also and so this is powerful to me that we need to be reminded uh, uh have faith and trust And what he is doing. So here in verse 15 it says. And truly if they had called to mind. uh, The country from which they had come out. They would have uh, had an opportunity to return. And they're speaking of here. That they didn't want to return. Remember that the Israelites. They had a desire to go back to Egypt. Which was a picture of the world. And a picture of bondage. Uh, But they had no desire to return. That they they had faith. And they trusted in Jesus. And we know that if we have faith. And we look to Jesus. That he will set us free. We will not be in bondage. So here in verse 16 it says, But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has uh, prepared a city for them. And we see that better desire is a heavenly country, and that heavenly country is in heaven with God. You know, John uh, 14, verses 2 and 3, it says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. And I love this verse because I know that Glenn received this verse um, last week, last Tuesday, that he went and is in the presence of the Lord. And I think it's powerful. I want to close with a, a short story tonight. One of the, you know, uh, there was a husband and wife as we were speaking about marriages tonight. There was a husband and wife and they were getting a little uh, a little bit uh, older and so um, their health was kind of diminishing a little bit. And so one of the things uh the wife had a, said hey, let's go to the doctors and let's 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 see let's have a checkup and, and you know men most of us men you know when when people start talking checkups we're like uh, we don't want any part of any fe- going to get a checkup but he decided to agree and he went and so as after they they had a blood test and had a few things uh, done they went and they got the results and the results was like his his cholesterol was through the roof um, his high blood pressure was borderline all these things were, were going on with him and so the doctor sat him down and said that they needed to see a dietician and they needed to change the, the, their eating habits and the way that they would eat and the way that they would do things. And so he reluctantly said, I guess so, and his wife was adamant about changing it. she actually wanted to sign them up for a gym and he was like, I don't want to do a gym, let me try getting over the diet first of all and then later on we'll talk about that. And so as they were going through this regimen of things, um, he loved every morning, he loved having with his coffee, he loved having a donut every morning, he loved it. And so right after they went to the doctors and all these things happened, she said, no more donuts, no more donuts for you, but I got you a substitute. And so she brings out this brand muffin. And, and, and he, he said at first, he said, "All oh, these bran muffins are horrible. They taste like cardboard. They taste like cardboard. They don't taste anything like my donuts. And so he said, the only way I could eat them is I'm imagining that I'm eating my donuts. And so this went on for a couple of years. Um, and so as they were going out one time, they were going out, um, him and his wife were going out together to see one of their children. Um, there was a semi on the freeway that lots its brakes and actually plowed into them and killed both of them. And they both um, were, were killed in this accident. And so they went to heaven and as they arrived there at the gates of heaven, both together, they arrive at heaven and so as they're going, they're walking around and the, the, the angel says to them, oh, you're here, it says, I'm glad you're here. It says, let me, let me, let me show you your mansion. And so they take them out, and they start taking a walk over, and they start showing them this beautiful mansion. And the man's looking at it, and he's thinking, wow, this is magnificent, B- nicer than I've ever imagined. He said, hey, how much is this going to cost me? And the angel looks at him, and he said, "He said, this is heaven. This is free. It's yours. It's been here. It's been, the Lord has prepared all of these things for you. It's heaven. It's yours. It's here. And he says, and the, the, the Lord knows what you, what you like. He says, so I'm sure you're going to like what's in the backyard. And so he takes him out in the backyard, and there's an 18-hole golf course right off the backyard. And he looks at it, and he says, how much is all this going to cost? And he says, I need to tell you again, this is heaven. This is all free. And so he, he knows that he is a man who has a love also for cars. And he says, do I dare look in the garage? And he says, go out to the garage. And so he goes out to the garage, and he sees a Ferrari Enzo parked in the garage and he turns around and the angel says it's heaven it's heaven right don't ask how much it's gonna cost it's heaven and so as he goes over into the game room his wife said i want to go see the game room and as, as he walks over to his wife he, they're in the game room and he starts he notices the angel notices that he starts to have words with his wife and he starts to say things to his wife he starts to say things and he, they both come out and the angel says is there a problem is something wrong and he said you know what what's wrong said, we could have been here 10 years ago if it wouldn't have been for my wife and her brand." <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen. So Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word tonight, Lord. And as we, the topic of faith, Father, we ask we've come tonight, Father. Would you, um, Would you help us with our faith, Father? May we have faith and trust in you, Lord. May you continue to Use each and every one of us, Father. Um, May you be with us the rest of this week, Father. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.